It's July 3rd, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. We're beginning today in the New Living Translation and the One Year Bible Plan in our Old Testament reading of 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 3 through chapter 23, verse 30. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 3. In the eighteenth year of his reign, King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Elaziah, and grandson of Mesalem, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, Go to Heliakah, the high priest, and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay the workers to repair the temple. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons. Also have them buy timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple. But don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Haikai the high priest said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilakai gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your officials have turned over the money and collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilakai the high priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilakai the priest, Achaman, son of Shaphan, Agapor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Esaiah, the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that have been found, for the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So Hilakai the priest, Achabai, Achabor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Hiddledom. She was the wife of Shilam, son of Tigavah, son of Harshish, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek the Lord, and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against the city and its people that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring on this city. So they took her message back to the king. That concludes chapter 22, moving into chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then the king instructed Hilakai, the high priest and priest of the second rank, and the temple gatekeepers to remove the Lord's temple from the Lord's temple all the articles 
that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley. He carried the ashes away to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priest who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah, for they had offered sacrifices at the pagan shrines throughout Judah, and even in the vicinity of Jerusalem. They had also sacrifices, offered sacrifices to Baal and to the sun and the moon and the constellations and to all the powers of the heavens. The king removed the Asherah poles from the Lord's temple and took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley, where he burned it. Then he ground the ashes of the pole to dust and threw the dust over the graves of the people. He also tore down the living quarters of the male and female shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord, where the women wove coverings for the Asherah poles. Josiah brought to Jerusalem all the priests who were living in other towns of Judah. He also defiled the pagan shrines where they had offered sacrifices all the way from Geba to Beersheba. He destroyed the shrines at the entrance to the gate of Judah and the governor of Jerusalem. This gate was located to the left of the city gate as one enters the city. The priests who had served at the pagan shrines were not allowed to serve at the Lord's altar in Jerusalem, but they were allowed to eat unleavened bread and the other pri- with the other priests. Then the king defiled the altar of Topeth in the valley of Ben-Hammon, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire as an offering to Molech. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statutes, statues that the former kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were near the quarters of Nathan Maloch, the eunuch and officer of the court. The king also burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. Josiah tore down the altars the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem to the south of Mount of Corruption, where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtaroth, the detestable goddess of the Sidians, and for Chemosh, the detestable god of the Moabites and for Molech, the vile god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Then he desecrated these places by scattering human bones over them. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had made when he caused Israel to sin. He burned down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. Then Josiah turned around and noticed several tombs in the side of the hill. He ordered that the bones be brought out, and he burned them on the altar at Bethel to desecrate it. This happened just as the Lord had promised through the man of God when Jeroboam stood beside the altar at the festival. Then Josiah turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted these things. What is that monument over there? Josiah asked. And the people of the town told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very things that you have just done to the altar at Bethel. Josiah replied, Leave it alone. Don't disturb his bones. So they did not burn his bones or those of the old prophet from Samaria. Then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. They had been built by the various kings of Israel and had made the Lord very angry. He executed the priests of the pagan shrines on their own altars, and he burned human bones on the altars to desecrate them. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in the book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the kings, years of the kings of Israel's and Judah. 
But in the 18th year of King Josiah's reign, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah, who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and there has never been a king like him since. Even so, the Lord was very angry with Judah because of all the wicked things Manasseh had done to provoke him. For the Lord said, I will banish Judah from my presence, just as I have banished Israel. I will reject my chosen city of Jerusalem and the temple where my name was to be honored. The rest of the events in Josiah's reign and his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. While Josiah was king, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to the Euphrates River to help the king of Assyria. King Josiah and his army marched out to fight him, but King Necho killed him when they met at Megiddo. Josiah's officers took his body back in a chariot from Megiddo to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land anointed Josiah's son, Jehoahaz, and made him the next king. That concludes the Old Testament reading, moving on to the New Testament, Acts chapter 21, verse 37 through chapter 22, verse 16. Acts chapter 21, verse 37. As Paul was about to be taken outside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? The commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied. I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Sicilia, which is an important city. Please, let me talk to these people. The commander agreed as Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon, a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. That concludes chapter 21, moving on to chapter 22, verse 1. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia. I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of the elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus. There you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 11 and 12. 
The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagined it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. And yesterday we finished the book of Psalms, all 150 of them. So what do we do now? We start over, of course. We're going to read through them at least twice this year. So Psalms number 1, starting in verse 1. We'll be reading this, as always, in a posture of prayer. That simply means have a conversation with God. I'll try to read it a little bit slower. Pause me whenever you feel led and... Uh, have a conversation. When you're done praying, press play and hear a little bit more of God's word. Psalm 150, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. God, we ask that you watch over our path. And for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, we know you do. Uh, Jesus came and lived the righteous life I could not live, died the death I deserve to die, and rose again. But he didn't just leave me here alone. He sent me his spirit to guide and protect me. And I pray that I would feel that today. That I would make decisions that are wise, not in my eyes, but in your eyes. That I would live a productive life, not in the way I see productivity, but in the way you do. And it is in your name I pray these things. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's podcast. And I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.